This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play. For me personally, it's good to have, you know, full health and two working knees and, you know, kind of feel like uh, I'm, uh, you know, striving towards obviously becoming, you know, coming back to, to, to top level and uh, even another step. So, uh, you know, I put that pressure on myself to try and get better and better. You know, today was in, probably not a step in the right direction, but it was good to get a game under, under my feet. Yeah, that's important, isn't it? Victor Hedman's health more than the results of what we're seeing in the preseason. Although, they are pretty ugly. I will say that. And it's more ugly because, Dave, we've got to sit through it, call it, and analyze it. <laughs> Knowing that you know, a lot of these guys probably <laughs> aren't going to be with the Lightning to certainly break camp. And maybe even for the rest of the year. But that changed somewhat today. And... We are going to get into that. Are you saying we don't have to spend 60 minutes recapping oh, Saturday's game in Nashville? Man, I mean, listen, Dave, we're professionals. We could do that. It would we be could. ugly. It would be ugly. It would be nasty. And we'd probably take some tweets from some of our faithful listeners who are a little concerned. The prospects that they've heard so much about over the last you know, even couple of years have not, maybe in their eyes, taken that next step. I actually have a... A take on that, Dave, a hard take on that as to why maybe it's a little unfair to critique these younger prospects as harshly as some in terms of what they're doing or not doing on the ice. And I'm going to throw that your way later on in the show and kind of get your feedback. But we certainly can talk uh, about that a little bit. It is Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I am Greg Linelli. Of course, that is Dave Michigan on that end. Steve Ersnick on the other, our producer. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio, at Dave Michigan, at Greg Linelli. Well, Dave, I think we had an idea that the Lightning, after Saturday's game, at some point they were going to be making some cuts. And today, earlier today, they reduced their training camp roster by 22 players, 18 forwards, 11 defensemen, and three goaltenders remain in camp. But not really. But not really. But not. We're gonna really. go. We're gonna break that down. So let's let's kind of get into. Maybe let's start with uh, the forwards. There were 13 that were cut, and Dave. Um, None of these guys maybe surprise you too much, although Gabriel Forte to a lesser extent just because of the night he had the other day with the hat trick. Maybe there were some people out there that felt like, eh, could he hang around a little bit? But that really wasn't the case. And really out of all the forwards, not much surprising there. No, not not really. I, and so the the full takeaway is... And we're gonna we're gonna get into why this number of eighteen forwards isn't really eighteen in a second. But at the end of the day, if you cut through all of kind of the the paperwork and and some of these transactions that have happened and are gonna be happening, what you essentially have into week two, the four forwards that we spent most of last week talking about are the four forwards remaining competing for these final presumably two spots. Ryfors, Kachuk, Bari Boulay, Taylor Radish. That's where we are. Now, on this roster of 18 forwards, you still see Charles Sudan, Gabrielle Dubont. They are put through waivers, and once they clear, 
they will be sent down. But until they clear, they, they stay on the active roster. You also have Jamel Smith in that group. He is injured. So is it possible that when he gets healthy, he will just stay on the NHL roster? I guess it's possible. But the reality is that his injury, unfortunately for him, took him out of all of these preseason games today. And it doesn't sound like his return is imminent. So I'm including Smith as a guy included in the 18 forwards who's not really included in the 18 forwards. Right. So if you take out those three, Dumont, Houdon, and Jamel Smith, that takes you down to 15. Mm-hmm. And those are the, the four forwards. Because the other 11 are the 11 that we've been talking about that, that are going to be on the team, right? So. Right. That's and the forwards are a little bit more complicated than the defense. The defense has eleven. Again, two players are in the process of clearing waivers: Sean Day and Darren Radish. Calfoot is injured. You take those three out. That leaves you with eight. The six that were projected to to be on the NHL roster, plus Schuster, plus Clayson. Right. If the Lightning decide to keep a seventh at the start of the year. It would be one of those two guys. So when you going back to your point, yes, when you said nothing really here is surprising, certainly on the blue line, I don't think there's anything surprising there. I think we were saying that probably Schuster and Clayson are in the running for the seventh defenseman spot. Did Alex Green play well? He did. I, I thought he 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 showed well for himself in this camp, but he's a he's a young guy. Like he needs to play. He needs to go to Syracuse and play and play a lot. He did well, though. I mean, he got into a handful of preseason games. And that is quite an accomplishment for a guy. I mean, he was kind of in the camp last year, but there were no preseason games. That is a tremendous first full training camp for a young defenseman. But what's in his best interest, Greg? For sure. Sitting and practicing with the NHL club at this point in his career? And get, maybe getting into an odd game here and there, or going down and playing a lot in Syracuse. I, th- I, think, I think it's the latter. Yeah, no doubt. So that's that's the D situation. The forward situation, we kind of come back to where we started at the beginning of last week. I think these are the four guys in contention for, in all likelihood, two spots. And then the three goalies are Vasilevsky, Elliott, and Miftikov. And I think I mentioned last week my expectation is that Miftikoff is slated to be in Orlando. So when the Lightning leave Orlando, he will not he be will, coming. He will stay there. Yeah, I may be <laughs> yeah. wrong about that. But, yes. I mean, Miftikoff is not going to be backing up Vasilevsky. So at some point, they will get down to two goalies as well. Yes. And we should mention, too, because I know we had – I know Al at least asked this question last week. I don't think we got to it. But I think we did address it at some point. Those forwards, except for Rifors, right? They have yeah, to according clear to Cap Friendly, Rifors waiver Rifors, exempt. Yes. So the the other three have to. And you know, Dave, you hate to speculate because you're just not sure a who's going to start the season here in Tampa Bay. B what the options are for Julian Breeze while that make the most sense. In an ideal world, those guys who don't make the NHL roster will go down to Syracuse and play. But we also know that 
a lot of other teams have eyes on the Lightning prospects. And one thing we have discussed on this show is that it really doesn't matter if you're a third-round pick, a fifth-round pick, or a fourth-round pick. I think general managers around the league, when they see a Lightning prospect maybe knocking on the door to play in the NHL or has some NHL experience but has not yet gained full-time status in the league for whatever reason, they may be more inclined to take a flyer on a Lightning player through the waiver process than somebody else that's just going to clear waivers and you don't have to worry about losing that player. Again, right. that is that is kind of, I'm speculating, but it certainly could happen. And, and the other option too, Dave, is that Julian Breezewell looks at it and says, I have enough feelers out there to know that these guys are probably going to get claimed by another team. So, and I'm, I'm not even sure he could get any value for it, but does he look at a trade from that standpoint? Say, all right, if I'm going to lose them, do I want to get something in return? Understanding the cards aren't in your favor to get a great return because teams understand, well, why would I dance with you if I have a shot to claim them off yeah. waivers? Now, again, who knows? I mean, you know, the order of the, the waiver process, another team may want uh, said player for the Tampa Bay Lightning, knows that there's 10 teams in front of him before he can make that selection and says, all right, you know what, Let's let me see if Julian will make a deal for this guy and maybe I give up a draft pick down the road. That that very well could happen as well. But those are probably some of the internal discussions Dave the organization is having when it comes to okay, how many of these guys are really going to make the team? Do we really think we can slide them through waivers? And if we can't, do we need to work out a deal to get something back? I mean, I think those are all very legitimate yeah. possibilities. If I can add something though, yes, Greg. Please do. Like we've seen a couple we've seen a couple of guys claimed around the league. There was, I think, a defenseman who was claimed. I, to be honest, I never heard of him before. But <laughs> he was a Rangers. I think the Rangers tried to send him down through waivers. Another team claimed him. It might have been the Islanders who sent him down. But of the players who clear who are put on waivers at the start of the season, the vast majority of them do clear. Yes, with, you're right. With rare exception. You might say, well, why is that? Why? As opposed to kind of a drip, 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 if you did it that way, where you'd send like one player through waivers every four or five days into the season, you would probably see, and this is my opinion, but I, I think based on what I've seen, it, it probably is borne out by the facts, you would see more players claim. So why at the start of the year, when you have a, a flood of players put on waivers why do you not see many players claimed and there are reasons for it first of all most other teams may not be in the exact same boat as the lightning but they're kind of in the same boat in that they're making decisions on players to keep who are already on their roster right like getting from 28 to 23 is not always a slam dunk so now you're saying, well, of the five players that you're going to cut, now we're going to cut another player because we're going to take this guy off the waiver wire, right? So a, a lot of teams are a lot of teams are are making decisions about the players they already have, and unless the player is extremely attractive to them, they just they just let it go because that that would be forcing them to make an additional decision on another player to cut. 
So that's one. And then two, if you claim that player, you need to find a spot for him on the NHL roster. So it's not just a question of maybe this guy will be a tweener for us. No, this guy has to stay in the NHL because if you try and send him down, guess what's going to happen? The original team will just claim him back. So it's not like it never happens, but I think for, for a lot of teams, frankly, it is easier to get guys through waivers at the start of the year. Now, it doesn't always happen. Richard Ponick was claimed a few years ago. Toronto claimed him. The Lightning tried to send him down. So you could lose a player. I'm not saying it never happens, but the odds are in your favor. And, you know, Eric Erlinson had had in his article today, like he thinks Barry Belay is going to make the team. He said that. I'm, I'm not coming out and, and stating that for the exact reasons that Eric had, but Eric feels that he's going to make the team because he would be the most likely to be claimed if the Lightning tried to send him through waivers. And the reason Eric is is saying that is his pedigree in the minors and the fact that he got, you know, 15 NHL games last year and, and scored three goals. So a team might say, you know what? His ceiling could be really high. We're going to take a flyer on him. And remember, you have to get him past 31 other teams. The other guys, and I'm not saying that they wouldn't be claimed, Rifor is, they don't have to worry about him, but, you know, Kachuk and Taylor Radish have zero games of NHL experience. Sure. So put yourself in the in the shoes of, you know, pick a team, the Dallas Stars. Dallas might say, ooh, Taylor Radish is on waivers. Well, first of all, we need to like him more than the guys that we're about to send down. And then also, if we take him, he needs to play. He needs to be in the NHL. And not every team is in a position to to make those two statements definitively that they're gonna they're gonna take a flyer on on a player off waivers. No, and you know it's it would be teams that maybe have a poor minor league system. It would be teams that maybe have a lot of aging veterans. Although in today's cap era, Dave, it's it's hard to do that. I mean, just out of necessity, you almost have to bring up some younger players because veterans cost more <laughs> at times, and you need to be cap compliant. So on the surface, that makes a lot of sense. I will say this, out of all of the younger players, and, and I don't know if you have anything more to add, Dave, on the, the guys who were cut or if we want to spend Well, a, we can circle back to it, but I just yeah. wanted to state, like, it's you fair. made the point about, like, would you trade a guy rather than losing on waivers? Well, yeah, it's better to get something in return for a player you you are going to lose, but there's no guarantee that the Lightning are going to lose a player on waivers. Well, and I think your point's a good one, and what you were trying to say, too, is that they might not even have to go that route. They might not even have to worry about trading somebody because of a uh, fear of losing them because they may not have to, and they may just be able right. to sneak them through and- waivers now. And let me just add one other thing. So, like, under this scenario where, and I'm going to use Dallas as an example, not because I'm picking on Dallas. I think they need desperately to improve their team. But let's stick with Dallas as our specific example. Are we going to go the Jamie Alexiak route? Because even though he's not with them anymore. <laughs> well, I'm talking about forward. So. <laughs> All right, good, good. Seattle loves Jamie yeah. Alexiak. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let's say Dallas is, is looking at the waiver wire. Yes. And... Let's use Taylor Radish as an example. Again, I'm not saying that the Taylor is is going to be 
put on waivers. But first of all, like I said, you need to like this player more than the players you already have yep. that you're going to have to cut who have been playing in your system and trying to make your team. Two, you need to be ready to keep this player in the NHL all year. And then three, and this is the third part that, that I just thought of, you need to like this player more than the other players that are also on the waiver wire. I mean, we can look at how many players you can follow Elliot Friedman on Twitter, and he puts on waivers today, and it's like a – and, and that list is going to get yeah. even bigger sure. because a lot of teams are going to be making their cuts basically like today into tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So not impossible, just less likely than if you were to try and slip a guy down, let's say, the, the third week in November – where a team might say, a team that would be interested in claiming a player might say, we have not gotten off to a good start. We we need some answers here. Mm -hmm. And this one guy is on the waiver wire today. He might be able to help us. Yes. Totally different dynamic than what we're talking about in, in the first week of October. Yeah, I think that's fair, for sure. So it's it's definitely to keep an eye on. And we'll see... How that process plays out, you had mentioned, and we had mentioned the the younger players, and that Eric's article referenced Barry Boulay, and that's again it was his opinion that team may take a flyer on him more so than somebody else, mainly those other prospects that we had discussed in terms of keeping them on the team because of his pedigree in the minor leagues and the fact that he's seen some action at the NHL level and. Um, has three goals in 15 games. And I, I think that's all valid. And this is just my opinion. The guy out of those four prospects who everybody keeps talking about, and rightfully so, who has stood out to me the most, and maybe it's unfair because I'm looking more on the offensive side of things, has been Boris Kachuk. I feel like he's generated some more scoring chances. I feel like he's come close to scoring more than the one goal he has. He's hit the crossbar how many times? Yeah. And I feel like, let's put it this way, Dave. I notice him more out there than the other guys. Ryforce, I think, was the prospect tournament darling, and rightfully so. I haven't seen much from Taylor Radish. Again, these are just my, my uh, amateur eyes watching from where I sit. And Barry Boulay, maybe it's because I know what he can do, or I, you, you see his numbers and what he's put up at the minor league level, so maybe you're more inclined to give him a, a bit of a pass when it comes to this competition. But he hasn't stood out as much as I would have thought. And so, Look, there are other factors that go into this, and this this is the point that I wanted to, to bring up to you. We can do it a little later on in the show when it comes to evaluating these guys appropriately. They're not only looking at these games, Dave. They're looking at practices. They're taking film from last year. They're taking yeah. film from different areas and saying, okay, which one of these guys is more NHL-ready to help us win games right now and I, I understand that we're not privy to that information I can only speculate but if you're asking me at least in terms of these exhibition games Dave 
Boris Kachuk has impressed me the most out of those four prospects. Don't know if he's going to make the team, but again, I liked what I have seen from him on a little more consistent basis, and it's probably dealing more offensively than defensively than from the other guys. And if you're asking me, I, I think he would have a leg up just based off of performance this year. I, again, collectively, it might be Barry Boulay when you factor in everything there. But at least in terms of what I'm seeing in these exhibition games, Dave, Boris Kachuk, I think, has, has separated himself a bit. Not much, but a bit. And in fairness to Eric, he had his two guys as Barry Boulay and Kachuk. Barry Boulay based on the likelihood in Eric's mind that he would get claimed on waivers and Kachuk based on his performance to this point. And that's fair. In the preseason, which is in line with what you're saying. And by the way, great to see that Kachuk was okay after he sustained an injury yeah. on Saturday and it did not look good. But he was able to come back and, and participate in the shootout. Which was very positive. And like I said before, he's a guy that's it's got an opportunity here. So I, I don't know if you kind of agree or disagree with the yeah, play. I think I mean, it's look, up and down a little bit for some I of those think, guys. I think you're right. Like, he scored a nice goal on Saturday. He has hit posts. Bari Boulay has a goal, but Kachuk was part of that because he set him up. That was the game in Carolina. And... I'm not sure that any of those guys played particularly well in the home loss to Nashville. That was a team-wide thing. The effort level, and again, effort is a word I, I, I don't really like using, but maybe the, the urgency level was better on Saturday than it was on Thursday. It was not as good as it was on, on Friday when the Lightning beat Carolina 8-5. But they made some critical mistakes the Lightning did in in the loss to the Predators in Nashville on Saturday. So, you know, they were basically playing from behind essentially the whole game. But of the players in the game on Saturday, I thought Kachuk was the most noticeable of the, the group of players that we're talking about. Yes. That would be fair. And I don't think anyone has kicked the door down, though. No, and I, I'm a little surprised about that because we've talked so much about these guys and what they've done down at Syracuse, specifically the three players uh, not named Ryforce, Dave, is that you would expect, all right, these guys have been in the system a little longer now. They should be a little more polished than some of these other prospects. Yeah, they're going against other NHL players, but you know, if these guys are close to playing in the NHL, they shouldn't be completely overwhelmed. And and look, that's a general statement. I understand certain instances, like when they've gone against Nashville at times, and we saw that first line play a couple of nights ago, they were dominant. And sometimes that can happen. You can get a little overwhelmed going against another team's best players. But Dave, for the most part, I think what has stood out for me is that we've made so much about how polished these guys are in terms of, you know, what more can maybe they accomplish down in Syracuse? These guys are, are presumably ready, hopefully, to take up an NHL spot. That, to your point, and I think Phil has talked about this, and and so is Chief when we've had him on during the intermissions and pregames and postgames, is that nobody is looking at this opportunity and running with it. And maybe we're so used, Dave, over the last few years, seeing a guy just burst onto the scene and you know, almost force his way onto the roster 
because of his play that you have to keep him on the roster because they said, you know what, I've got an opportunity here and I'm going to run with it. And I don't think we've seen that from those guys. As I said before, I think Kachuk has come the closest just because, I mean, he's it feels like he's been more noticeable offensively, but I understand that doesn't tell the whole story. And so I'm a little surprised we haven't seen more, and I, I don't know what to make of that. I, I have a theory a little bit, and I, I want to throw it your way, but I, I don't know if you want to comment on are you a little mystified or are we are we paying too much attention to – yeah, you know, these guys all have a lot of games down in Syracuse, but that doesn't necessarily translate into really sound NHL play, even if it's in preseason. So a guy who does slam the door down or bang the door down or kick the door down in preseason and then makes the team has to keep doing it. Yeah. And and that's sometimes what we see. How many years did Alex Volkov have a great training camp and didn't necessarily make the team but definitely let the organization know that he was close but I mean just to be perfectly frank every time he had an opportunity to to come up and make an impact like he did it in in fits and starts and and he had an impact in that game six against Dallas for sure and a credit to him for coming in after sitting for 60 days or whatever it was and and playing as well as he did but he had an opportunity last year and just didn't take advantage of it and that was during the regular season now the Lightning didn't have a preseason last year but you know what I'm saying like in his early years we would be talking about him into week two he regularly did well enough in the first week to get into week two and just was a little too young or you know somebody else beat him out like I think one year is Matthew Joseph who who had a little more experience and and then you know he'd get an opportunity like in the 1920 season he'd get an opportunity during the regular season and just didn't do enough with it and I think we could probably say the same about what happened last year where he was given lots of opportunities to make an impact and finally the lightning moved him to to Anaheim this is a little different in that I'm not sure that anyone has kicked the door down but whoever ends up getting the spot or spots, they are going to have to try and find a way to be impactful when they get into NHL games. And maybe Colton is a, is a good example of that. Now, Colton didn't get the benefit of a preseason last year. But when he got the opportunity to play, we know what he did with it. Yes. And so I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, if we're going to talk about Boris Kachuk and say Boris Kachuk has done well, he maybe hasn't basically forced the organization's hand to saying, yeah, he's the guy. But if he is one of the guys, what does he do when the regular season starts? How impactful is he? He has an opportunity to be impactful. And we're going to be, we're going to be focused more on that than what happened in the preseason. I guess that's what I'm saying. And that makes sense. It does. And I, I have a theory on that with some of the younger players and, and maybe one of the reasons they're not standing out as much as I think fans had anticipated. And let's face it, I even think the coaching staff, if you get them off the record or maybe in an honest moment or maybe even publicly, I don't know. I think they may want to see these guys perform a bit better. I have a theory on that that I want to share with you when we return. And uh, we'll go over some other things as well. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. He is Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli. It is Power Lunch. 
Back after this on Lightning Power Play. When you attend Lightning Games at Amelie Arena, be sure to bring your Bluetooth headphones to listen to the Lightning Radio Call with Dave Mishkin and Phil Esposito. Fire score! Kucherov! Huge goal! Log on to the Amelie Arena free Wi-Fi and you can stream the broadcast through the NHL app with no latency. Enhance your Bolts viewing experience with Dave and Phil on the call right in your seats. Sam Ozilewski! A miraculous stop! For more info, go to tampabaylightning.com. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. This came out a little bit ago. The... Stadium Series logo, Dave, mm-hmm. unveiled, and looks pretty good. Yeah, less you know? of an impact on radio, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would try to describe it, but you know, it's got the 2022 says Stadium Series, <laughs> and then in Nashville, is that a guitar? I think that's like a guitar. Yeah, that Nashville. That's not that makes some, Yeah, that makes some sense. And of course, the Lightning and uh, Perez will be doing that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I can't wait for the Lightning to actually host one of those, Dave. What do you think? You think that's legitimately on the table? You're I think speculating. The, humidity, I'm speculating. the humidity is the biggest factor against it from the league standpoint. Because the last thing they want to do is invest in a big event and then have the event not come off. So when is the due to weather? When would you well. say? And they've had some hiccups yeah. in colder cities due to weather already. But never say never. I know the Lightning very much want one. And they would be a great team to have in an outdoor game, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, Nashville could have had any opponent. The Lightning only go to Nashville once during the regular season, and that game is the stadium series game. So well, we see we see them like nine times during the preseason, though, don't we? Yes, typically. So maybe. Well, well when if you're is including the, um, that prospect tournament, then yes, it's, it's incredible. When is the coldest month in Florida, Dave? And I know that's kind of a a weird question to ask, but yeah, we need a, to get one of our local meteorologists on it. So my I believe it's February. I believe it's February. Is it, is it February, Steve? Okay, so let's say... Steve went to meteorology school. Did I say that right? I don't know. Well, I did run news talk stations in the past, so... You know. Oh, okay. Some of that <laughs> seeped in then. So I would do it... You know what I would do? Let's let's just take Friday, or excuse me, February, for example. Let's <laughs> or do, Friday. Or Friday. Hey, it doesn't matter. Don't I don't Friday. think this Friday is going to be the coldest it. day in the year. I'm willing, <laughs> Dave, I'm willing to, <laughs> to Dave, plant my flag on that statement. <laughs> let's do a Friday in February. <laughs> And you know what? You know what you do to make an event? Then you you hold it like at 11 o'clock at night. Be great for the West Coast. It'd be great for the And you just make it an event. You know, you understand that this is unusual. But, Dave, how many times have we seen things unusual in the NHL season over the last couple of years? Now, some of that, obviously, is, is pandemic-related. But, you know, a lot of people complain about the playoffs starting late anyways. I mean, the NHL will do what it can to make a big event worthy of your attention. You may get some people if you really build it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, March Madness, not March Madness, but they, the start of the college basketball, a lot of times schools will have like midnight madness or whatever where, you know, the kids can all come watch the teams practice or scrimmage for a bit. And it was always a lot of fun. And understanding that not everybody's going to be up, but I think that might be reasonable. You know, make it an event. Make it an event. Midnight Madness is a great moniker. I'm, I'm doing my alliteration yeah. here with M's. Because for the 19 and 20-year-olds, Madness is like 
going crazy about the start of basketball season and the late the later generation the older generation is like playing basketball at midnight is madness <laughs> <laughs> and of it course works it-, it works for just about every generation I and think. if and if you're parents of a newborn or they're keeping you up at night you could you know while you're facing that madness of trying to put your child down dave you can put on the yeah. tv and maybe rock i'm, I'm to happy to say though great you you're coming out of that haze I'm aren't starting you to come out of that haze starting yeah. to starting to and it, i tell you what david feels good <laughs> I bet. it feels it feels good but i we're talking about the roster cuts that were made today and dave i actually have a theory i was actually thinking a lot about this the last couple of days because I want to be fair to the younger players who are trying to make the NHL roster for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And there, I look, Twitter is what it is. I'm not going to rehash how I feel about it. But there are a lot of people who believe that none of these younger players has shown, at least in these exhibition games, um, the right to hold down a spot. That they just they have not taken advantage of the opportunity. And look, get through some of the the harsh tone of some of those statements on Twitter, I think there is some validity to the statement. That being said, you know, one of the things that stands out for me and why I may give these guys a bit of a pass is that not all of them are playing with NHL players. Now, you may say, well, Greg, these guys... You know, you play at the AHL level. These guys are professionals, or if you're in an exhibition game and you're put on the line with a guy who's had NHL experiences but is is more of a tweener, I mean, these guys are all professionals. They should be performing pretty well. They're playing with skilled players who know how to play the game. And that that's fair. But what I'm saying is, if and when these prospects make the NHL roster, Dave, they're not going to be playing relatively speaking, with two other guys who are slotted or slated to go to the AHL. In other words, if Barry Boulay makes the team, there's a good chance he's surrounded by NHL players. If Boris Kuchuk makes the team, there's a good chance he's surrounded by one, if not two, NHL players on his line. And because of that, the play, I think could be drastically different than if you're playing with, no offense, because I like the guy, let's say Gabriel Dumont and another young player who's probably slated to go back to juniors or, or play at the minor league level. So while it's not an excuse, I think it's a reality. And we have seen this. Sometimes when you play with better players, your play elevates, Dave. And it's not like when these guys come up, they're going to be surrounded by other players who are fringe players. They're going to be surrounded by, let's face it, a Corey Perry, a Pat Maroon. Ross Colton and Matthew Joseph don't have as much NHL experience as those guys I mentioned. But, Dave, they're NHLers. They're not going back to the minor leagues, I don't think, anytime soon. And so I think there's a different type of play associated with those guys compared to some of the other guys I just mentioned. So I do think... When we are evaluating all of the circumstances as to a player's development in these preseason games, a lot of the responsibilities on them to work through the conditions and deal with uh, the hand you've been dealt and produce regardless of who you're playing with. I, I believe in that. 
But I also think, too, just logically speaking, I think their play may be a bit better because they're playing with better players at the NHL level if and when they do get that opportunity. So they may look better as a result. And they, the team might be getting more out of those guys as well. Again, it's it's not an excuse, but I do think it's something to point out that, all right, yeah, I kind of want to see what Barry Boulay looks like again with, I don't know if he gets thrown on a second line here and there, gets thrown on the power play. I want to see what Boris Kachuk looks like with, you know, a Pat Maroon or a Corey Perry. Does he look different than he would right now? And the same goes for Taylor Radish, who... You know, out of all of those guys, I feel like there's probably another level for him to get to, especially after what he did in Syracuse last year, and I haven't seen it. And I'm wondering if playing with better players, more skilled players at the NHL level, Dave, would bring more out of what the coaching staff wants to see than what we are seeing right now. Some people would say that's an excuse, Greg, and I understand that, and that's fair. But I also think it's fair to point out I would like to see them maybe play a whole game with some NHLers surrounding them in an environment before the regular season begins to see if if that changes their their development and play. Is that fair? It's fair. I think we're probably going to see that in these next few games where it's going to be about getting the team, the NHL team ready, and we may see some different looks as far as the line combinations. And if we're under the assumption and agreement that the top six – is going to be what we think it's going to be. In other words, Stamp goes playing with Kalorn and Sorelli, assuming Sorelli is able to to play in these games. But it doesn't sound like it's overly serious, mm-hmm. his injury, and at the very least, you know, he would be ready for opening night. At least that's kind of what it sounds like based on on what we heard. And then you got Point, Pilat, and Kucherov. So that leaves these bottom six forwards. And... I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Your point's a good one about, like, young players playing with more veteran guys. I thought Alex Green's best game in the preseason came in the game in which he was paired with Sergachev. Now, some of that was the Lightning played better as a team, and that includes Green and and Sergachev having a good game. But how much of that was the fact that Green was with Sergachev? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Which backs up your point. The forward situation is a little different in that Colton and Joseph have been paired together in two preseason games, both road games, the Carolina road game and the Nashville road game. And they have had some of these young players who are in, they're young too, but you know, the the players that are in contention for a roster spot have had an opportunity to play with them. Yep. Whether it's, not Ryfors, but whether it's Kachuk or or Taylor Radish. Those two specifically have definitely played with Colton and Joseph. And as we've just said, it's not like anyone has has been incredibly noticeable. So that kind of runs it doesn't run contrary to what you're saying, but what what it what it is saying is that the coaching staff may do more experimenting here, but what they may settle on is if we are going to have this young player in the lineup playing this young player with two other young players, Colton and Joseph, may not be the way we want to go. Maybe it will, and maybe we'll see a line really click in week two. 
But you have other options where you could put a Corey Perry onto a line with a younger player, and that may have a beneficial result for the younger player. But if you're going to do that, then you are not having the line of Belmar, Maroon, and Perry that we saw in the Friday home game that played quite well. And maybe that's not going to be a line anyway, or maybe it'll be a line in certain situations against other opponents, different opponents. Maybe you mix up that line. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just wondering, because these players have had a chance, at least two of them, to play with Colton and Joseph. Mm Mm-hmm. So does that mean that if nothing changes, Colton Joseph and this third player, it, that's not gonna that's not gonna necessarily be a line that that we see. Maybe it is. I mean, it's again, fair. the the die has not been cast yet, but it may factor into how the Lightning want to construct their lines. And if if what you say is something that rings true. That you know what? It really helped Ross Colton to have Pat Maroon as his line mate last year. Maybe whether it's Kachuk or Barry Boulet or Taylor Radish or whomever, like we want to make sure that we get a seasoned veteran with them. And if that's the case, I mean, I, I think that you can you can kind of work the numbers how you want, but it is unlikely that we would see Belmar, Maroon, and Perry all together. Right. Because you're going to need to have one or two of those players with somebody younger. Unless the top six gets moved. Like we saw Stamkos play with Colton and Perry for a portion of training camp. The thing so, I mean, about John it Cooper is, has lots of options. He does. I'm just trying to, like, set the stage here for week two. What are the coaching – what is the coaching staff going to be looking at more opportunity. Look, with each passing day, with each passing game, you have a chance to make an impact and build chemistry. So nothing is set in stone here. But if we don't see great chemistry in week two from a line with three younger players, maybe then you look at mixing up the, the older, by older I mean like, they are older, but, you know, more season, more games of NHL experience yeah. and, and mixing that up with, with players who have less NHL experience. Yeah, and I don't think they would, to your point, you know, have a third line, or let's let's call it a third line in this instance, Dave, because in today's NHL, you'd like to have really three decent scoring lines and maybe a checking line, and, and maybe even for some other teams, other organizations, you want four lines that can straight up play, and I think... John Cooper would probably say we fit into that mold, although the fourth line is probably going to be a little bit different than the third line. The third line will be a little bit different than the second. You understand I'm nitpicking, but like, would right. would, would the Lightning feel comfortable? Maybe that's the word. And and maybe we, we, we don't want to speculate on how they would feel. Let's, let's just keep it with us. Would we feel comfortable if there was a line of Ross Colton surrounded by Matthew Joseph and Alex Bariboulet? Would they feel comfortable? With that, I mean, essentially, you have three guys who combined have what, 150 NHL games of yeah. experience. Some, some now, some of that is high level in the postseason. Let's not minimize this. Playing in the postseason and having some success, there's something to be said for that and having that experience. And maybe they would. I think it's also fair to point out that Barry Boulay has been the one guy 
basically because he's the only one that has NHL experience out of some of those prospects we talked about. Not only has he played in the NHL, Dave, we also saw him on the power play. And so I think that speaks to— In the NHL, you're talking about. In the NHL, correct, in the NHL. And so I think it speaks to what they think his skill set is. It's a guy who can be a point producer. I remember, I mean, I think we had Derek Lalonde on, Dave, and we were talking about Barry Boulay, and he was speaking glowingly of his playmaking ability and how he looked. Uh, I think it was, what, the far left circle maybe is where he was setting up and yeah. and getting an opportunity to distribute the puck. And he, he at times he looked good. And so by that, not only did he make the, get a cup of coffee at the NHL level, Dave, he was playing in a relatively skilled role, and the Lightning were gushing about it. That doesn't mean that that's going to be his role moving forward, but what I am saying is that I feel like there's a little bit of a book on Barry Boulay that the Lightning have that says, yeah, I mean, not only do we think he's going to make the team, but he's somebody that could probably play in a top six, certainly in a top nine role. And so maybe to Eric's point, yes, that would be guy, uh, one guy definitely that will make the team. But my point is, I mean, do we really think Barry Boulay is going to be on a fourth line to start the year? Maybe. I, I'm just looking at, at previous call-ups and, and thinking, boy, they, they, they gave him an opportunity. Yeah. And I, I think they came away pretty impressed with what he can do. So I, I don't know how that all plays out. But I, I do think who you play with, matters i do and you made a really good point it may matter more on the back end dave than it does at the forward position although at the forward position now we're seeing you'd like to have at least a pair together on a line stay with each other for a foreseeable future rather than the whole line although the third line last year for tampa bay certainly would be you know something we'd look at and say those guys were were nails and and for the most part, the lines stayed the same. But like Eric Chernak and Ryan McDonough, do you think maybe a big reason why Eric Chernak became the defenseman he was was not only because of his skill sets, but because he played with Ryan McDonough? Absolutely. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. And I, I think, you know, when Shattenkirk was here and who he was playing with, I think that had an effect, you know, whether it was Sergachev or, or somebody else. Hedman's played with a variety of guys. But, I mean, look at Jan Ruta. We talk about Jan Ruta as kind of this journeyman defenseman who, you know, maybe on another team, Dave, couldn't play in the NHL, but he's playing with the Lightning. You got to give him credit, but you also have to give credit to Victor Hedman. I mean, I, I think those two go hand in hand. So I agree with you on the back end. Maybe it's more noticeable, but I do think playing with NHL guys on a regular basis for some of these prospects is going to be beneficial, and we're going to get a better feel, I think, of where they are. And I think you're right. Maybe tomorrow that's going to be really interesting, and maybe that's where the real evaluation begins is, you know, how does Barry Boulay look with, uh, again, I'm throwing it out here, Colton and Joseph. How does Kachuk look with Perry and Maroon? Uh, again, throwing things out there, seeing if it sticks. And then maybe we can really see what do you have here. Right. Because right now I'm, I haven't seen a ton, and and the only decent analysis I can give you is that all right, I I know what those guys have done in the minor leagues, it's, it's been very good. I know Barry Boulay has been called up to the Lightning before and has actually been given a, been given a pretty decent role 
for somebody who was just coming into the NHL. So I, I think I know what they like in him. I mean, they elevated him to play with more skilled players, and he kind of excelled, did pretty well. I don't think that's going to go away in the evaluation process. But I also know, to your point, nobody's kicking down the door. Okay, so why is that? I think some of it is who they're playing with. And I'm curious to see if tomorrow night that change. If it doesn't, Dave, I don't know what happens. Then you're just going to have to start taking all that information and make the best decision possible. But I'm hoping tomorrow, whoever does play, watch who they play with and if they play better. Because I think there's I, something to be said for it. I wonder if we will see Colton, Joseph, and Maroon reunited. Which is such an effective line for the Lightning That's last fair. year. Yeah. Now that is that is a line that the Lightning know. They yeah. know it has been effective, can be effective. And if they're put back together, will need to be effective. And so if you go that route, you would have Belmar, Perry, and then somebody else. And again, these are this is like the fantasy hockey portion of the show. <laughs> I mean, we're just kind of like throwing line combinations out there and you have to actually see it in practice. But could but you whether... imagine somebody playing with those two? Like a younger right, guy but like, and Belmar? Yeah, and, and... yeah, because they're both experienced, really smart, and, you know, they would make they would make the right play at the right time. That's what they do. Yeah, you're right. Do they make mistakes? Sure. Like, every hockey player makes mistakes. But that's what experience gets you. And whether it's, let's say, Barry Boulay. Like, if Barry Boulay ends up playing on a line with Belmar and Perry, it will look a lot different than when he was playing with Ryfors and Houdon, which he did at points during the preseason. It's just different. So I think your point's a good one. But we'll know more as, as we see how they work yeah, the we lines will. here. And, you know, if Sorelli can't play... And the Lightning are going to have some players to scratch anyway. It's not like their roster is down to, you know, 22 at this point. But if Sorelli can't play, then that that throws things into a blender a little bit more, too. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it does. And, again, it's not an excuse. It's just I, I think you have to speak in reality, too. You know, some guys elevate their play when they play with better players. They, they just do. And I, I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow. I'm saying there's a chance. And if it does, I think that needs to be taken into consideration. And look, Dave, I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. I'm stating the obvious for, you know, if the coaches listen to the show, which I know they do. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I don't. You're, you're, we're probably sounding, you know, very, uh, very basic in our analysis. And, and we acknowledge that. But I think we also have to keep a broader perspective on the evaluation process when it comes to some of these players that, that is part of the equation. Al says at Ford, I think the Lightning are looking for a certain type of player. With Smith out, 16 and 13 make the team as number 12 and 13, at least to start the year. Surprised that Green didn't stay up. Thought he played well. We addressed that at the beginning of the show. We did address that. And it was yeah. a good point. He needs to play. Just because a player is sent down doesn't mean that he didn't do well. Yes. I think that's fair. Um, 
And clearly Al is not in simpatico with Eric about who he thinks would clear waivers or not. And yeah. let's be clear. Like, I think we need to we need to add a fresh dose of perspective. Your uh, your girls ever watch Ratatouille? Did you ever see that movie? <laughs> I need to get some perspective on that show. I've never heard yeah. of it. Oh well, it's it's it one good? of the Pixar movies, really good. Okay, all right. About a rat who has a very sensitive palate and becomes a, a master chef in oh Paris. My. So, oh, okay. but it. like the mean food critic shows up, and um, like they come to take his order. It's like, <laughs> well, we have. He's like, I would like some perspective or something he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna provide some perspective to the situation because everyone's raving about the restaurant right and he like he needs to give it the stamp of approval correct so i'm gonna provide some perspective here perspective we have spent a lot of time looking at the players who are vying for essentially two spots in the roster in a depth forward position and then I'll say the 12th forward position and a depth forward position. The Lightning's fortunes are are going to be tied to their depth. There is no question. I'm not disputing that. But they need Braden Point to be Braden Point. They need Kucherov to be Kucherov. They need Hedman to be Hedman. They need Vasilevsky to be Vasilevsky. And their ability to navigate the rigors of an 82-game regular season and everything that comes with it is going to rest squarely on the shoulders of their leaders. Mm-hmm. Team, yes. Team is important. To win a Stanley Cup, especially. And you need everybody pulling on the rope. But the Lightning, I think, can... They, they, they are... They're a deep enough team outside of spots 12 and 13 here to enter the regular season, and if they need to experiment a little bit still, they have they have the horsepower to be able to do that. Am I framing that correctly? Yes, they do. And Dave, honestly, I think they have the whole season to do that because I, I don't think, and look, I know I'm, I shouldn't, but I am. Again, folks, we're human beings. We... We look at this team just as much as you do. Things could happen, yes. Is there a greater percentage of Tampa Bay missing the playoffs than making the playoffs? Heck no. I think they have all year to figure out combinations, Dave, and which young players are are fit and which ones aren't. And if they aren't, Julian Breeswell will make a trade. or He'll adjust. Yeah. But I agree with you, I, especially early on. I mean, fine, fine. What works? I mean, what are they, you know, first twenty, twenty-five games. I mean, guys are just trying to get into a rhythm of the NHL, that includes finding some of these younger players who are going to be playing for the first time. By the way, we should mention uh, Anthony Sorelli uh, was back at practice today. Uh, the lines look like this, Dave. Palat points Kucherov. Kalorn Sorelli-Joseph. Stamkos Colton-Perry. Maroon-Belmar-Radish. So those were the early line combinations yeah. today. So, you know, we said Stamkos had played with Colton and Perry in the scrimmages, and this is part of the experimentation process. Yep. Now, Kachuk did sustain that injury on yes. Saturday. So, 
I mean, he was able to to participate in the shootout, but let's see if he's well enough to play tomorrow. And look, there there's nothing set in stone. I think we've seen this the last couple of years. I mean, where Stammer is in his career, there, there's nothing that says he couldn't still be a very productive power play guy, Dave, and maybe right. starts positioning to a third line role. I mean, there, there's that happens. There there is there is a process. I mean, look. Corey Perry yep. is going through that process right now. Still a very productive player. As but long as like we were talking about how they would work the lines, and again, you know, this is practice, so I don't know if this is going to be the line combination yeah. for the fourth line, the line combinations, and this particular combination for for a line tomorrow. But if you have Belmar, it was Belmar, Maroon, and Taylor Radish, right? Yeah. So there's a young player playing with two yeah. experienced veteran guys. And what we were saying, let's see what those guys do with those type of players. That's all we're saying. And tomorrow, which will be live uh, from Orlando, Dave, it'll be a lot of fun there. And uh, we'll have all the game action. But we will have our show as well tomorrow, noon to one. And uh, maybe we'll get a little bit more clarity. Maybe check in with Brian Burns as well about what's happening with the team as they take on the Panthers tomorrow night. It should be a lot of fun. You can listen to all that right here. Dave, lively discussion. It was a good one. And uh, I think we solved all the world's problems today, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Talk to you tomorrow. All right, that's Dave Michigan. Thanks to Steve Versnick. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. I am Greg Linelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play.